0: To the latest episode of Public Power Now. I'm Paul Schimpoli, APPA's News Director. Our guest in this episode is Maria Stanton, Vice President of Supply Chain at San Antonio, Texas-based Public Power Utility, CPS Energy. Maria, thanks for joining us.
1: Thank you for having us on today.
0: Sure thing. So, Maria, uh, to get our conversation started, I wanted to ask if you could provide an overview of your responsibilities uh, as Vice President of Supply Chain, and also, how is your team working to address ongoing supply chain challenges, both in the short term and the longer
1: term? Absolutely, Um, I oversee four teams. Uh, There's one that procures services like consulting or construction. The second procures materials um, and commodities very much like our our transformers. The third um, is our warehouse operations team. They receive store inventory issue and they deliver materials to our field crews and power plants. And then last but not least, I have a small but mighty army of folks who perform community outreach. Um, their goal is bringing in more small, local diverse companies to do business with CPS Energy. Um, so a team of about 120, um, all, all on uh, focused on the same mission of Providing materials um, to our community, I'll share with you as far as what we're doing um, in addressing the supply chain challenges. You know, 20 years ago, our our team was practicing lean methodology, so we were looking to decrease waste in our procurement processes. Just in time was what we were utilizing was very effective. We were reducing uh, value of stored inventory, increasing quality and the delivery of our goods and services, and we were reducing cost. Fast forward, it's it's no longer just in time. We're not pra- practicing just in case, which means we buy it as we find it and we store it until the time that it's needed by either our, our crews or our gas electric crews or our, uh, our uh, power plant uh, maintenance folks. In the short term, we're consistently working on identifying new vendors um, we're expanding our, our, we've expanded our supplier base and continue to do so. And then also uh, collaborating with our customers out in the community. They become very vocal as far as, hey, that we've got a lead, or we've heard that this other developer has, has found a, a source. And so we we go through that process to see if we can place additional orders through those leads. But I, I can share just a stat. In, in the last six months, we've assessed over 40 transformer sources of those 40, um, 26 of them have been approved, and that's to supply both new and refurbished transformers. And then the, the remaining uh, sources, were, were, were they're in various phases of, of vetting as, as we speak. I'll also share we're staying close to our inter- industry peers. A lot of other utilities are, are also in the same boat as we are. We are not alone, obviously, um, but we're trying to share lessons learned and also the leads for, for any new suppliers, be it within. Uh, the U.S. or outside, but these have all been short short-term strategies. I don't for for longer term. We've we're now placing longer-term contracts to secure production slots that are established by manufacturers, and then also something we've never done before. We're looking for local opportunities for manufacturing transformers. But I'll I'll um, emphasize state and federal government adv- advocacy has been critical. Our CEO, Rudy Garza, and our government relations team, they've been very vocal um, in front of local, state, and federal audiences regarding the impacts of the uh, transformer shortages here in, in our city and the impact of the, the growth. And just an a shout out to APPA. Um, your survey last year, in November of 2021, was one of the alarms that, that we were hearing in the industry regarding the decreasing supply of transformers and other utility commodities and just the critical need for intervention at all levels of government. And then the letter that APPA um, sent to the Department of Energy Secretary, Jennifer Granholm, uh, together with the National Rural Electric Cooperative Association, that is a step in the right direction, urging the prioritization of funding toward production of, of transformer um, distribution transformers.
0: Just kind of drilling further down into specifics related to San Antonio, it's my understanding Mm -hmm. that the housing market there has been booming, which is obviously great news, but that does could present some challenges in terms of supply chain issues. So I wanted to know if you could talk about the strategies CPS Energy has adopted to tackle the transformer shortage um, to meet new home construction growth.
1: Yes, sir. Um, our team has been deep in this in this challenges trench for over three years now, um, and we're very fortunate. We've got team members throughout CPS Energy. We we care a lot about our customers and our community, and everybody's banded together into what our CEO Rudy Garza calls a, a one team spirit. But I'll start. The first thing we've done is we've we've had to be more flexible with our standards, our specifications, and our requirements without sacrificing safety. Uh, this has allowed us uh, to place more orders outside of the U.S. Historically, everybody was buying from within the United States, but now we're looking abroad. And I'll, I'll share we're we're placing more orders for Mexican manufactured transformers. The second um, action we took is we've got a customer design and delivery team. They're like the new service team. They've implemented a new per, uh, process that allows customers, both developers and home builders, to partially energize a project, and that allows them to potentially jumpstart a development. So, so there's projects that we have here, and, and they're nonstop, to your point. It's it's booming here in San Antonio as far as growth. For those projects where all the needed transformers are not available, we utilize transformers that we have received. And then in some cases, we can install a limited number of transformers with the purpose of energizing a few lots. And that's going to allow the builder to begin selling lots and construction um, and constructing homes. Um, we, we still have to abide by construction and safety standards, but I'm, I'll share that these partial energizing of our substations has been something that, sorry, of our subdivisions has been something that has been um, new and it seems like it's working. And last, um, very, very important, as we've been providing supply chain updates to our community um, using our website, our construction portal, media outlets. You know, there's, there's customer webinars, various newsletters. So, so we listen and we learn um, about what our customers are experiencing and the impacts to their projects. We fully understand their pain points um, and we share with them all the intel that we gain from our manufacturers. And I'll, I'll tell you, like, they're, they're consistently telling us it's going to be about another three years before we begin to see a balance in supply and demand of transformers and other materials.
0: So obviously transformers, you know, nationwide when it comes to the utility industry, that they have received the bulk of, of attention in terms of shortages. But but that's yeah. not necessarily the only thing where there's shortages. So could you talk yeah. about what other materials are in short supply that you guys are seeing, and what steps are being taken by the utility to address these shortages?
1: Sure thing. Uh, poles, poles is probably my my the number two item that keeps me up at night. Uh, behind transformers, uh, but we're also seeing less deliveries of meter sockets and cross arms. And, and a lot of it is, it's it's the same uh, root cause as, as the transformer shortages. It's it's labor. Our manufacturers can't find enough labor and it's raw materials. And what we've done is we've implemented um, similar short-term and long-term steps as with the transformers, working closely with our operations team uh, to brainstorm solutions. And, and one example i like to give is gas risers. Uh, we could not find entire assemblies. So sitting down with our gas engineers, um, we figured out, hey, what if we just buy subcomponents and then uh, write up something for our gas crew so that they can assemble the subcomponents into the entire gas riser assembly um, out in the field um, as they're needed. And, and that worked. And, and wherever we can do that, if we've got to piecemeal it, um, our crews are having to be flexible. But that's that's one thing that that we've had to do to, to make up for the shortages.
0: So I would imagine that there's some overlap in terms of strategies you guys are applying as it relates to various things that are coming up short in the supply chain. That's correct. So now you you mentioned the the three year time frame um, in one yep. of your prior responses, so that kind of yep. you know that that dovetails with, with my last question, which is uh, if you could elaborate on on if you think that if there's a time frame when you think supply chain constraints facing the utility sector will ease um, I mean and I guess to your point it, it's looking like three years at this point.
1: That, that's what we're hearing but but it is hard to say um, you know if I took the picture today, it looks like you know our manufacturers say three years. But I'm going to put something else on the table. Um, we're we're competing with other projects at a national level. We've got broad, broadband improvements. We've got push for more electrification, more electric vehicles. Um, we've got the infrastructure bill. These all require labor and materials that we don't have enough of now. Um, and then there's also unintended consequences that we're we're going to have to manage through, um, for example, um, the Department of Energy, they're they're proposing a new standard of amorphous steel cores and transformers. So the push is to be more energy efficient than our traditional grain-oriented electrical steel, the the steel cores and the transformers. Um, So so all this is proposed. It would take effect in 2027 if it is adopted. But in the DOE's push for higher energy efficiency, the amorphous steel cores are going to cause these these overhead transformers, the units to be heavier, which then requires a larger class of pole. And so that further compounds delays in an already tight market. And our our wooden pole manufacturer, we we have one we've used historically for, for years, they've communicated to us that they're already seeing an increased demand in these larger class poles because of the proposed ruling. So it's not even adopted yet, but yet it's already caused some some response uh, and reaction from the industry. So no one has that, the proverbial crystal ball um, that shows us what that timeframe is going to look like. But, but for now, I'll, I'll share, we're staying very close to our manufacturers. And that's what they're saying approximately three years before we see improvements in the utility supply chain.
0: Well, Maria, thanks again for taking the time to speak with us today. It's been a very informative conversation and um, would love to have you back at some point, perhaps later this year or early next year to um, kind of take another look at where things stand in terms of supply chain issues.
1: Absolutely. Thank you very much, Paul. I appreciate sure. your invitation.
0: Sure thing. Thanks for listening to this episode of Public Power Now, which was produced by Julio Guerrero, graphic and digital designer at APPA. I'm Paul Champoli, and we'll be back next week with more from the world of public power.